Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I am here yep. with Sammy Cabrosley, and Sammy is in the snack business Big time, folks, and getting bigger. Thanks so much, Sammy, for uh, joining me again. No, absolutely. Thank you. I had a chance. I'll be able to brag that I, I knew you when you were in your early 30s and before you had your first uh, trillion dollars in sales and everything, and, and we're in 500 countries. <laughs> but you can't really brag because I was still bald now anyway, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. you, can't, you can't say I knew him when he had hair, but you can say I knew him uh, you know, after year five. So. I've got good news for me and you genomics make it they're gonna be able to fix all that stuff okay <laughs> oh i've already told people that you know i'm working so hard today just so that i can go overseas and get myself a hair transplant surgery that's the end goal so talk about sammy the uh you got started you did your own manufacturing but you know like all manufacturing when you're making things uh a lot of money involved and then a lot of commitments when you get these big box big brand stores, you know, they say unbelievable. I'm in a hundred, 200, 300, 500 stores. Well, mm -hmm. that's a lot, of, a lot of inventory, a lot of, a lot of product in cardboard boxes to be shipped and the logistics and all of this stuff, anything can go wrong at any time. And so it takes money at that point, you got to spend money to gear up, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're sitting right now in a 10,000 square foot facility that didn't exist, you know, at uh, uh, the time you were in your apartment, you know. So you decide, hey, we need to get some money. We need to get some funding. And somehow you got on Shark Tank. Talk about that. Was that a little daunting or was that uh, a challenge? Is that an exciting thing or? Uh, oh, my God. I was scared crapless. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It is scary, scary, scary. Because. It's one of those things that it's almost surreal. You know what I mean? I guess if any entrepreneur, especially, you know, if you've been a around for the past 10 years, you've watched an episode of Shark Tank, right? Yeah, right. And I definitely watched my fair share of Shark Tank episodes. And so, you know, when we got that call, like, hey, we're actually going to fly you out to Los Angeles and you're actually going to pitch in front of the sharks. I mean, it was scary. I, I practiced a lot and I still choked, even though I practiced so much, like I still like choked a little bit at the beginning. And that's just how it is because, you know, you're walking in there and you're seeing, you know, four to five, right? Five of, of you know, America's probably most prominent or prolific, you know, probably prolific, you know, yeah. well-known investors. Right. right. And that's intimidating, you know, and you don't have the, they don't really know much about you. You know what I mean? They don't know anything about you, to be honest. And so right. you just have that time to tell them about your story, tell them the details, try to remember all those numbers that you crammed in your head, you know, like yeah. before you got there, right? And, you know, and yeah, and you get done. And when all is said and done, that's it. You just, you walk out and you go, whoa, I just made a deal with Mark Cuban. Like that is crazy, you know? But I think what people also forget is like, there's still a lot that goes on afterwards. Right. Like, you know, his team still does the due diligence. I still have to send a lot of documentation, a lot of paperwork back and forth. We had a lot of calls, but yeah, you know, that moment for us was big, you know, and it happened where we taped it in the summertime, but didn't air until the fall. And so oh, it was like, really? 
the hardest kept secret. It was like the hardest secret to keep. Sorry. It was like, we kept it yeah. really well. Right. It was so hard to keep because, you know, we couldn't tell our marketing people. We couldn't tell people that we worked with. We couldn't tell the production people. We couldn't tell anybody because we wanted to make sure that the deal was finalized before we told anyone what happened, you know, during my taping. And then, you know, we're waiting. We're like, well, is it actually going to air? And then we don't want to tell anyone because we don't want it to leak because they'll pull the show if they think it leaked. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it was daunting. It was fun. But I will say we did have some pretty good sleuths on our team that just started going, like, you know, while they were shipping stuff on the FedEx account, looked at, you know, the past people I shipped stuff to on the FedEx account. And when they saw Mark Cuban's name on there, they go, ah, uh -huh. I think I know who the deal happened with. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> So, uh, when you uh, go through that thing, how do you focus on, uh, you had to be pretty confident because, you know, you'd worked like a dog, you'd had success, you knew you had a good product, you know, you didn't need them to agree, you knew what you had, mm -hmm. and uh, part of that that's interesting to me is you got a lot of money for a little bit of interest in the company and so you weren't selling your soul to get them involved how much of i'm sure you know you had places for the money to go but what did it what has been the impact of being able to plug in with someone who's so far up the ladder because basically these guys are dream team of american business you know, if mm -hmm. there's going to be a Hall of Fame, if there was a award ceremony for American business every year, you know, they would have already been inducted and uh, yep. gotten their business Oscar or whatever it is. But uh, uh, dealing with people like that, what did you notice other than they he knew how to do things or they knew how to do things? What did you notice, learn from how they went about their business, how they engaged in conversations, what they's locked in on and especially particularly Mark. Um, yeah, I think look at Mark, even like all of our investors for that matter, like the one thing I've noticed about all of them is they're all scrappy. You know, uh -huh. they don't just say like, it's like someone like Mark who could literally just write a check for anything. Like, Oh, I got to do that here. Check, solve it, check, solve it. You know, here's a check. Here's some more money. Solve it. Like, no, He's scrappy. He's like, wait, well, what can we do internally? How can we figure this out? What can we already, what can we use that we already have in house to help solve this problem? You know what I mean? And that scrappiness is really what, you know, it, it, it harkens back to back when, you know, when we were starting off, we were just scrappy, right. making everything from hand, trying our best, like yeah. building this facility. Like we did this all of ourselves. Like, you know, it was us painting the walls, us doing the floors, you know, like, Pedro and I, like we installed machines, like Pedro builds machines now himself just because they show up and like, I don't get here for a couple hours. He's like, I already finished it, boss. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, that, that, that someone like Mark Cuban, like that they, that they actually believe in and that they instill in you as well. You know, it's that grinding, it's that working hard. Like, dude, the dopest thing about Mark and the thing that, you know, is he's inspiring to us is if I send him an email, he'll write me back in 15 minutes, max. You know what I mean? It's not one of those you send an email. Oh, okay, you'll get back in a couple of days. Like this guy has better stuff to do, but you can tell that he also, the better things that he does, he's getting it done now, and he gets stuff done immediately. Like he's all like just crushing. I could send him an email. Boom! Here's his response. Here's his ideas. Here's his thoughts. Back and forth. Next. Now he's on to his next problem. He's on to his next solution. You know you what know, I mean? One thing that just it's great to hear you say that because I've always told 
people that the easiest people to work with are the million dollar earners, the super successful. And it could be people who are ahead of charities or built, you know, they built something great or done something great and not just making mm -hmm. money, but it's the super successful people that are the easiest to work with. Because number one, they answer your mail, text, uh, phone call, and uh, you get an answer. And they're not yeah. dilly-dallying around with it. And the other thing is, if they say they're going to do something, they do it. It's not like, oh, we had a meeting then. Uh, that was for me. Uh, was that this week? Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, I was supposed to bring this. You know, those are the dumbasses that, uh, you know, you know, the people that are just, they've just got mashed potatoes for brains and it could be that a year two or three or four they're going to be polished up and solid as a rock but they're at that mashed potato brain stage of their life and uh there's there's a phrase that helped me lock into this early in my career i don't know what uh -huh. book or person i got it from but the thing is you got to be specific to be dynamic and these guys are you know you know are you, you don't want to be a butter knife. You want to be razor sharp, you know, where you can cut through. You can, you know, you can understand what you're hearing. You, you can give the answer back. And it's like, I listen. This would drive you nuts, too. I listened to who was it? Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Uh, Kramer. I, I was driving yeah. back. I was driving out a four hour drive yesterday. I was listening to Kramer and uh, he was interviewing, God bless her, our secretary of treasury or something. And uh, yellow. That's my girl. Yeah, that, It wasn't, it wasn't yellow. It was yeah. somebody else, but it, it was one of those cabinet members. And uh, he asked her three questions and three for three. She answered totally off the subject. You know, you know, it's just like, what do you think of trees? Well, I think elephants are interesting animals. You know, it was kind of like that. <laughs> and he had to be treat the office with respect. He couldn't call her butt out on it. Say, well, that's a great answer. But, you know, I wasn't talking about elephants. There was no elephant in that sentence I gave you. It was trees, you know, and <laughs> three for three. And it was like well, also at the end, he had to be gracious. Thanks so much. It's so great to have you on, yada, yada. And pretend that she even, uh, if if we were playing darts, she didn't even hit the wall, much less the, the, the bullseye, you know? And yeah. so uh, successful people are precise, though. I mean, if they shoot it, they're used to going for bullseyes, and they train themselves to go for the bullseye, and when they let it go, they expect to hit the darn bullseye, or they're going to fix something so they can hit it the next time. So talk about that. Yeah, no, I think it's it's about that hyper-focus. Uh, a, a lot of people like to brag and talk about how they're multitaskers, right? But multitasking yeah. is probably the worst thing you can effing do for yourself, where in all realities, if you have, like, 
the multitasking where I have 10 emails open, five paper or five, you know, five worksheets, plus I'm trying to do something over here. No, I hyper focus on the one thing. You know, I give it my razor sharp, like, you know, focus. I get there, boom, done. Next thing, boom, done. Next thing, boom, done. And I feel like, you know, that's a lot of people feel like they need to wear a bunch of hats and hold a bunch of plates at lunch. When in all realities, like the best cooks in the world can just make one plate much faster than anyone else can do 10 at a time. You know what I mean? They yeah. can do one plate 10 times faster than you can do 10 plates one time. Yeah. You know, and that's what I focus on. And I think I kind of look at it like I remember just someone telling me, they're like, Sammy, if you're driving down the highway, you're trying to go as fast as possible, right? You're trying to drive as fast as possible. You're not changing lanes every 20 feet. Right. Because that's going to slow you down. Right. So what you got to do is stick in your lane, drive as fast as possible. And then when you're ready to get to another lane, get over there and then drive as fast as possible. Because if your goal is speed, you need to have as little lane change as possible. You know what I mean? Right. And that's like, I think about that with my mental, like with mentally how I do work on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I show up and I know I have to X, Y, and Z to do, and I'm doing X first. Boom. Get to the point of X, that X can't do anything more. Go to Y, got it. To the point that I can't do anything more. Go to Z, got it. Go to the point I can't do anything more. And yeah, clearly I'm going to go back and work on those again. But, you know, it's just breaking it down and not trying to hold 10 plates at once, but just trying to get one plate there as fast as possible then coming back as quickly as possible. Well, you know? the advantage of that, and you see this with uh, super successful people, they're their organization stays with them. They're key people. One of the things, you know, like in your business, my business, we're only as good past a certain point as your team. And if your team is in constant turnover because you're changing direction, you're changing your philosophy, you're emotionally up, emotionally down, you're changing the priority of the business here and priority uh, there. And, you know, they're trying to learn how to play basketball, but the rules are changing all the time, you know, and the stable people, the focused people, the consistent people, it's easier for people to follow in line and get really, really good at what they're doing. And that causes them to be worth more, to get paid more, but also for them, you know, I know you get a lot of satisfaction out of your job and your accomplishment, but the people inside your organization, I know they get tons of satisfaction from uh, their progress and their role they play and what they get done uh, on a daily basis. And, uh, but that comes from the consistency and focus of the leader, don't you believe? I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, I would never tell anyone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. You know what yeah. I mean? And so even the people that are mopping the floors know that if they don't show up tomorrow, I'm going to be the one mopping the floors because it still has to get done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's all important. Yeah. Yeah. It's all important. Like every little bit there is important and knowing that I would never ask anyone to do something that I would not ask of myself, you know, which means like, if, Hey, I'm not going to ask you to put in more hours. If I'm not in here also putting more hours in, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, and I, and I think that we, there's almost like this trust, like, I, I think it's funny that we're all adults, but yet some jobs try and micromanage people to this extent that, you know, they might as well be children again. Right. You right. know, we need you here at this time every day of the week at da da da, da. Like, no, no, you know, here's what we yeah. do. We tell them we need to make this many snacks this week. Yeah. Every day we will make this much, you know, this many yeah. pounds of snacks. 
Yeah. Yo, if they decide to work from six to whatever or seven to whatever, if they decide to work, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they want to take Thursday, Friday off, I don't care. As long as the numbers, as long as everything matches up, like if they tell me that, hey, we're going to take Friday off because our kids have, you know, a school assignment, um, you know, that we want to be at, like, okay, cool. You yeah. want to pick up on Saturday instead? Right. That's fine with us. Like, we all work together. I think being flexible and then them knowing, I go, yeah, just tell me what you guys want. What do you yeah. guys need? They go, hey, so we want to do this on Sunday. I'm like, great. What do you guys need from me? How can right. I help you? What can I offer to make your life easier so that you can run in that lane as fast as possible and not have to worry about changing lanes because batteries went dead or right. I need screws for this machine or something like that. And so yeah. I sit here in the factory, you know, and I, this is my place to be. And when I'm not developing new Snacklin's flavors, I'm like, how can I help? What can I do? What yeah. do you know to be doing? I'm thinking about ways to help them make their lives easier, their jobs easier. And, you know, Kevin, our CEO, he's in the same mindset and he does that, you know, but on the executive level, right? Where he's, yeah. you know, how can I help? How can I help everyone execute their job easier? No one that's going to be just as well, effective because well, they're going to want to now, they're going to like it more. They're going to want to put in more, right? Like, so you tell just, me, Larry. you've just given the best, uh, explanation of what leadership is you know superior leadership is you're you're doing things for people they can't do for themselves to create the environment where they can excel and things that are coming up down the road that's going to they're going to trip over it's your job to go in front of them fix that make sure that's not there so they never have to run into that thing that's uh -huh. going to cause them to not be able to stay in their lane and go as and perform as good as they are. Thanks so much, Sammy, for, for this. And if you don't, you know, I'm going to, I would love to take, have a short follow-up session and, uh, and next time ask you uh, particularly this, what do you think uh, has caused you not to just get the deal, but to excel after you got the deal uh, on Shark Tank and some of the things principles you know related to that is principles that have been huge difference makers for you that you lot that you probably figured out yourself maybe you heard from other people but then things that people have told you that were absolutely horribly wrong and uh if you paid attention you'd get off off track so really get into your mind about your operating uh instincts and how you know that how that mind works to make decisions uh maybe we can spend a few minutes on that uh thanks so much sammy this has been great it has been awesome can't wait to chat again larry if you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world i've taken the most valuable business lessons i've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.